And so we're joined on the phone now by Tyler Nims, who's the executive director of the Independent Commission on NYC Criminal Justice and Incarceration Reform, better known as the Littman Commission. Tyler, welcome to Max and Murphy. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Great to have you. And so uh, for people who haven't paid close attention to the borough jails plan as it has evolved over the past couple years, many, many months, give us the short version of exactly what the city is proposing. Got it. So today uh, in New York City, we have 12 or 11 jails. Most of them are located on Rikers Island, which is uh, in the East River. Um, jails are primarily for people who are awaiting trial. So 75 percent of the people in Rikers uh, are pre-trial, haven't been convicted. The rest are people who are either short, serving short sentences, so less than one year, um, or are accused of technical parole violations. Uh, and I, I think when you talk about the city's jails, you have to understand that 90 percent of the people who are in jail are people of color. Um, and these jails have, have long been known for being violent. They've been, they've been known for poor conditions. The city's been subject uh, to a, a lawsuit by the federal prosecutors from the Southern District. And uh, two years ago, after uh, our commission came out with a report, after uh, an intense campaign by advocates, um, that, that closed Rikers campaign, uh, the mayor came out and said that he would seek to shut down the jails on Rikers. Uh, and that really has two components. The first one is really significantly reducing the number of people in jail by half or more. Uh, and the other is uh, moving from the system where you have 11 jails, most of which are on Rikers, to four jails, one in each of the, uh, in every borough except for Staten Island. So today we've had a lot of progress in terms of, the city has had a lot of progress in terms of reducing the number of people who are incarcerated over the past two and a half years. And we're in the midst of a, of a process, the land use process for those uh, borough jails. We want to ask about that process in a second. But going back to the, the plan that's been put on the table, the Lipman Commission report famously came out in 2017. Its conclusions were anticipated. The mayor announced his position that he favored uh, uh, suddenly in a shift, closing Rikers just before that report came out. Uh, but that report mapped out its own version of, of the future in terms of incarceration and pretrial detention in New York City. How closely does the mayor's plan match what the Lipman Commission said the city needed? Is it a perfect match? Does it overlap a great deal? Compare what the commission wanted and what the city is right now proposing. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap. They're not identical, but there's a lot of overlap. And I think the, the starting point for us, and, and we're seeing it in the work that the city is, is, is doing, and, and I don't say just the city, I mean all the district attorneys, the courts, um, even the state has to be involved, but is reducing the number of people in jail. So there, and that, you know, I think we are in alignment on that uh, priority. How you get there, I think, is a, you know, that there's a lot of questions. There's more the city can do, can do, but they've they've had a lot of success so far, which I which I would love to talk about a little bit later. Uh, on the with respect to the borough jails. Uh, that are in the news right now, I mean, we had said there should be one in each borough, including Staten Island. So that's missing from the from the city's plan. Um, and the, and the purpose of that, just just to clarify for folks, because I think this is an absolutely essential point in both the recommendations that you made and the plan that's moving forward. Um, do you want to explain a little bit the purpose of having one in each borough and, and you know, sort of the suggested uh, dynamics of the geography? 
Yeah, so so the jails, as I said at the, at the opening, they're, they're primarily for people who are pretrial. So these are people who have to be transported to and from the courts, which are in the five boroughs very frequently um, in the context of their cases. You separate people um, from the city and from their from you make it much harder for them to be accessible to their family and visitors, which is really important for when people come home because almost all of these people are coming home. Uh, and 75% of them are coming home directly from Rikers to the communities. We want them to be closer to lawyers, to service providers, and and also you know our commission came to the conclusion that you just have a fundamental uh, lack of accountability of, of a culture of, of violence and isolation on Rikers that couldn't be fixed out there. So the goal is to have uh, jails in each borough that are closer to the um, closer to the courthouses and more accessible to. Like I said, families, visitors, service providers, and lawyers. And today, the city's plan. There are there are four jails that they have that they have proposed. Again, not Staten Island, but um, one one on the on the site of three current jails. Uh, one in Queens that is not operative today, but has been around since the fifties. One in downtown Manhattan. Uh, right next to the courthouse where there's a current jail, one in downtown Brooklyn next to the courthouse where there's a current jail. And then in the Bronx, there is no jail that is currently near the courthouse. Uh, the, the jail that, served, that, that is in the Bronx is docked is a boat. And the plan to close Rikers involves closing that. The city has identified a site on a tow pound, uh, NYPD tow pound. Uh, it, is, it is farther from the courts than a, every other uh, of the and all three of the other facilities, but it's also uh, much closer than uh, than the jails on Rikers, and much more accessible than those jails. And two quick notes before we talk about some of that um, progress with reducing the jail population, which definitely want to get to, I think, next. Um, one, you know, I think it's important to note that the Lipman Commission was very much created um, at the direction of former City Council Speaker Melissa Mark Viverito, who really, uh, and Tyler, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong or, or add to this, but, you know, who really made the idea of, you know, closing Rikers Island Jail something from an advocacy push to a policy push. Um, and she was really the sort of conduit. There were other elected officials who got behind the effort, of course, but she uh, convened the commission working with Judge Lipman and really moved this thing forward, basically, you know, forcing the mayor's hand, who had um, for a while sort of called it, um, you know, a nice idea, but not something he was backing. And then he really came around as your report was about to be released. Um, and he was the one who pretty quickly said, we're going to do this, but we're not messing with a jail on Staten Island. And, you know, there's obviously uh, lots of politics involved in all of this, and, and that was seemingly a very um, political decision, which we don't need to dive into now. But but uh, does that, to your recollection and knowledge, capture a couple of other key points here? Yeah, I think that context is right, and I don't want to—I I would just add two points to that. One is that in the context of um, Speaker Mark Viverito's, uh, she asked Judge Littman to put together this this commission. It was in the context of a much broader sense, uh, a much broader advocacy campaign, um, led led in part by people who are formerly incarcerated, and uh, also in the context of this federal lawsuit where the where the federal government sued New York City over the conditions at Rikers. Context of the story of Khalif Browder, who was a young man who was incarcerated for uh, several years there for. Um, you know, was brutalized by the experience, um, and, and then also I don't. I want to make you know underline this is this is not a, it was never a secret that the jails on Rikers Island were a disaster. 
there were there were efforts to close those jails back in the 70s. Uh, you know, this has been something that, you know, people have known ought to be done for a long time, but there was never the political will uh, and pressure to accomplish it that there, that there is now. So, you know, as this plan has moved forward, there has been uh, opposition to it, obviously from people who do not think there's a problem at Rikers, who don't want to see any major change to the status quo. The Correction Officers Union has been very, very skeptical. But there's also been a fairly active opposition among uh, more left-wing groups uh, who have who share some of the same critiques of the criminal justice system and who say that if the problem is, is incarceration as it exists, now that building more jails is is in a way kind of compounding that or, or just replacing one version of the problem with the other. Is there anything, is there any merit to that critique? And are you surprised by the, the vehemence with which it's been articulated during this process? Uh, you know, I agree with uh, those people who say that in the sense that I, that I agree there are too, too many people that are incarcerated today. I, I also agree that jails and prisons often make the problems worse and not better. I mean, if you look at the criminal justice system in our city, our state, our country, and you can only conclude we are, we are doing things in, in a way that is, in many ways, that, that's very harmful and that is different from where the weather it's done anywhere else in the world, whether you're talking about Russia or Rwanda or Saudi Arabia or Iran, and nobody incarcerates people at the rate that we do. So too many people incarcerated. Um, I wish we were at the point where I could say that no jails are necessary, but I don't, I don't think that we are. And in this particular moment, as we're trying to close the Rikers jails, we're trying to go from a point where you've got a city that has 11 jails to a city that has four jails. And somebody who opposes the plan from that perspective that you described uh, has to be able to explain why those of us who care about criminal justice reform will be in a better political position to change the justice system and to put an end to Rikers Island if this current land use process fails. And they haven't articulated a pathway to actually closing Rikers. I haven't seen it. If you were going to oppose it, you have to show that pathway. Well, and we should say, um, you know, major reforms at the state level that were recently passed around bail uh, and, and certainly discovery and speedy trial um, will also, you know, contribute to this effort. And, and people are pointing to those as, um, you know, really significant boons to this to this mission. And Mayor de Blasio had previously said we basically need some of those reforms, especially on bail, in order to make this a reality because the discussion around jail capacity, which is continuing, including in negotiations over the size of what the new jails will look like, um, you know, has, has been there around this conversation throughout. And I'll just say for context, you know, there used to be well over 20,000 people in New York City jails when de Blasio took office. I believe it was down to about 11,000. And towards the end of last month, it was about 7,500 total. Um, so that those numbers are dropping significantly already. And we're talking now about these bail reform efforts making another huge dent. Um, so, Tyler, talk a little bit about that and the capacity questions around the jails that are going to be built, because there's some significant pushback from communities about the size of these planned jails. Yeah. So, I mean, there are a lot of issues in, involved in what you're saying. I, mean, I think I'll, I'll focus first on um, 
what are what have been very substantial changes in the way that the criminal justice system has operated over the past few years in, in terms of incarcerating significantly fewer people. And I think that this goal of closing Rikers has really been part of that. I mean, it's it's changes in the ways that the, that the police work, that the courts are working, that the district attorneys are approaching issues. And the result is today you have, as you said, 7,500 people in jail, whereas two years ago it was closer to 10,000. And as we've seen that decline, uh, the city is remaining as safe as it's ever been. Uh, and so I think it's important, you know, we, we too often think, well, you know, the solution to crime or to violence in the city is, is putting more people in jail and prison. And, and what we're proving here in New York City over the past few years and actually over the past 20 years is that that's not necessarily, that that's not true. Um, there is this, there is a question as you, as you suggested about the size of the buildings. Uh, and in, in many communities, that's one of their, um, you know, their, their biggest concerns about this, this plan. What the mayor has done now that bail reform has passed, uh, this past, you know, in April in the, in the legislature, is change the target number from uh, for a, a system post Rikers from 5,000 down to 4,000 people, um, which I, I thought was a, was a, a good step. They haven't yet adjusted the size of the facilities they're talking about to match that, and I'm expecting that that will come soon. I hope it will come soon. It should come soon, and uh, my hope is that that will help address some of the issues that, that you're hearing from some of the folks who live nearby. Governor Cuomo and others have, since the beginning of, of the mayor's move down this path toward closing Rikers, have questioned the timeline and questioned why it, it would take 10 years to move to full closure of Rikers. And the governor reiterated that criticism in a recent op-ed about what he saw as the failing of some of, of progressive New York's achievements. Uh, do you th- What do you think about the timeline? Do you think the city is pursuing it at too laggardly a pace? Uh, could we actually get the jails built and Rikers closed on a faster timetable than what the mayor has laid out? You know, the governor has been talking about putting it into Rikers for a while. He's been saying it should be the, it should be done as fast as possible. Um, I agree with him, and, and his leadership has been important on this issue and, and on getting those pretrial reforms this past year. I, I also think that the plan that, that, is, that is in progress right now is moving, uh, is the is the right plan it's one that is that is viable it's moving i think at a speed that that you know we all want this to be done as fast as it can be done as, as it can be done but it's got to be done right and so i think that in that sense this plan the timing is is in the right direction i think going back to the governor you know one thing that the governor really can do to help um, put us in a, in a place where rikers can be closed is to address the state parole system, uh, which is now accounting for about 20% of the people on Rikers who are who are incarcerated on a parole warrant, often for a non-criminal violation or for a um, uh, for a low-level crime that would tip a alleged offense that would typically, you know, somebody would be out rather than being at Rikers while that case was pending. And I think it's um, you know fixing that system is something that if. If the governor could achieve, it would really accelerate the pace of putting it into Rikers. 
just got a couple minutes left here, Tyler. Um, and thanks again for joining us. And, and we're talking with uh, Tyler Nims, Executive Director of the Independent Commission on New York City Criminal Justice and Incarceration Reform, otherwise known as the Lippman Commission, uh, impaneled uh, in partnership with the City Council a couple years back that has led to the to the closed Rikers plan that, that's moving ahead. Um, when you when you look at um, you know closing Rikers and the effort to open the new jails and some community pushback, the violent crime is really where a lot of this winds up coming back to, right? If these bail reforms are instituted, they're for just about every crime short of um, violent crime. And uh, there's just a certain amount, as you indicated, in terms of you know this idea of not building any new jails, just not feasible. There's a certain amount of violent crime that persists, even though it's been dropping. Um, how do you how do you sort of talk to people's fears that you know if there's if there's neighborhood jails or bigger jails, um, you know that means that especially as the jail population drops, there's more violent people being brought into their you know neighborhoods to be detained and also. So um, there's violence in these jails. I mean, we know that that's been a significant and actually increasing problem on Rikers is violence among inmates and between inmates and guards. Yeah, so let's start with the, um, I guess I'll start with the, the violence in the jails. That's something that has to be addressed. Um, and, and moving to borough-based jails is, is a piece of it, but it, it takes, uh, it's going to take a lot more in terms of um, leadership, culture change, and more accountability in terms of the way the jails are operated. That should start, you know, better health care, for example. That should start today. You know, that, that doesn't wait for a post-striker system. Uh, and, and then the, to, the, to the second piece, which is uh, public safety, uh, you know, we have, I think you've got to start from a place of, of the, the harms that jail can, can inflict on people and that, that often when you're putting somebody in jail who doesn't absolutely need to be there, uh, you, are, you end up harming that person and making it more likely that they'll come back to jail. I mean, it is, this is documented in, in, in studies that uh, people who go to jail for as short of a time as two days are more likely to end up back in jail down the road. So that, that's a, a part of it. Um, another piece of this just is, is to look, uh, you know, to understand that there are ways that, that policing can be accomplished, that the criminal justice system can can work that in terms of you know outside of the criminal justice system, healthcare for people who are suffering from mental um, health challenges, substance abuse treatment. There are a lot of things that we criminalize today, uh, or that we, we we look to the criminal justice system to be the solution. That are problems that that can be better addressed outside the criminal the criminal justice system. And you know I, I I would just compare us to countries that have similar crime rates in in, in most respects that that are. You know, our peer countries that we look at when we can compare ourselves with others, places like the United Kingdom, Germany, France, Canada. Now, all of these places incarcerate people at about a third to a quarter of the rate that we do. So four times fewer people in jail or prison. So, you know, and even in this own country, we've, we've you know, over the past 60 years, we've increased the, num- the rate at which we incarcerate by eight times over 60 years in our own country. So. There is another way to do things. I think we've shown in this city that, that we can do, do things a different way. 
So, Tyler, just about a minute left and a quick question about basically the rest of our lives, which is uh, this idea is moving now through the city's land use process. What do you think the prospects are for it to be approved more or less in the in the fashion that's been proposed? And once it is proposed and approved, I should say, will that have the momentum it needs to carry through what could be ups and downs in the crime rate, changes in the council and, and the mayoralty? Is this really the, the thing? Thing that gets the ball rolling to, to closing Rikers, or do you see that down the road there could be uh, challenges uh, that that might that might derail it? You know, I think the ball is rolling already. Um, I think if you had said three years ago, you know, could be close Rikers, most people would have told you no. Certainly, the mayor would have said that. And here we are, three years later. I think closer closer to the goal than than we've ever been before. Um, I'm you know I, I am hopeful about the the prospect that these. Uh, facilities, the borough facilities will be approved. That's one of the major political hurdles. Uh, but you know, this is this is something that is going to take continued focus, continued advocacy, continued effort uh, until it's finished. And then it's going to, you know, the, at the end of the day, we are still going to have jails in this city. And if we want them to be places where people are not, you know, where where people are treated as as well as they can be, um, so that they can succeed when they leave those jails. Then we need continued pressure, even after the you know Rikers is closed, from advocates, oversight from the Board of Correction, attention from the press and the public, and, and attention from the city. Well, Tyler Nims, thank you so much. You're the executive director of the Independent Commission on New York City Criminal Justice and Incarceration Reform. Thanks for talking us through this uh, important proposal. Thanks so much for having me. And welcome back to Max and Murphy on WBI 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette with Jarrett Murphy of City Limits. We just talked with Tyler Nims on criminal justice reform and the plan to replace Rikers. Um, you know, we didn't get into the nitty gritty of the land use process, but as you indicated, Jarrett, that's where things are at now. The City Planning Commission had a hearing, and now it's really about negotiations between the key city council members whose districts these jails will be in or revamped jails or new jails and the mayoral administration, more or less. I mean, the city planning commissioners, of course, also have a voice here. And it's a very unique process because, you know, we've had citywide ULERPs in the past. We've had site-specific ULERPs, obviously, a plenty. This is the first time you've had four different sites in four different boroughs moving through the process as basically a single package. And, you know, some of the critics have raised concerns about that, but obviously that is the way that it has been packaged and so that's the way it will be decided and yeah this is the this is really the interesting part where behind closed doors to a great degree uh, some changes can be made um, you know it, what's interesting obviously is we're dealing with the reality of the kind of correctional needs of the system and the critiques of it and the reality of four real world sites with yep. sky planes and neighborhood impacts and zoning rules and other things that have to be accounted for and there's you know there's creativity and and limits to what you can do. And it seems very clear that the proposed sites of these jails, you know, will be reduced uh, further. They've already been reduced a little bit, I believe, in the in the scope that the city's proposing. I believe they'll be reduced a little bit further. Tyler got at that, that it sounds like, you know, that's part of the negotiations, of course. And the de Blasio administration might have put out plans that allowed for a little bit of that flexibility in the end, because that's what happens in these land use negotiations. Um, you know, we had Bronx Borough President Ruben Diaz Jr. on the show who talked about his concerns 
concerns about the Bronx plan to build the jail on this NYPD tow uh, lot, not near the courthouse, as, as Tyler Nims got at a little bit. So there's a little bit more controversy there because that's the one that's a brand new site, whereas the other three sites are either currently functioning jails or in Queens, uh, an outdated jail that would be refurbished. But in all three of those instances, you're talking about major construction projects, you know, bigger facilities than people in the communities, you know, are used to seeing and all sorts of wrangling around, again, size, scope uh, and other details as we talked a little bit about. So, you know, that process is ongoing. I don't see any indication that the four central figures, which are the city council members representing those areas, I don't really see any indication that they're faltering on this. Um, but I think you raise a good question, which is, this is such a long process, even if it moves through right now, could the next city council speaker and next mayor you know, make significant changes, even if this is moving along pretty swiftly by the time they come into power. That's a little bit way of a ways down the line. So it might be irreversible at that point. But but that's a very good question. Speaking of long processes, before we move <laughs> to our next uh, guest, I should note that this is the one year anniversary of our being uh, on the air here at WBAI. So I want to thank the, the station, our uh, very loyal engineer, uh, Reggie Johnson, and of course, you, Ben, for, for a great year of some great quality uh, quality radio journalism uh, to paraphrase Grover Washington just the two of us <laughs> building castles in the sky thank, thank you uh, and thank you yes WBI for having us it was uh, a lot of fun to to be asked to take our podcast on the airwaves here and so it's been a good year and thanks uh, also to Reggie and others who helped make the show possible including you listening our intern Cyan Hunt uh, and folks who support WBAI of course with um, donations and the support that the station relies on, so we appreciate that.